Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? <laughs> I feel like I just got slapped while playing patty cake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, today we are talking about uh, Dreadout. Yeah. The 2014 Indonesian horror game. It's, uh, what a game. It's Indonesian Fatal Frame. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, and we super do not agree on this game, uh, which is great. <laughs> so for everyone who's a big fan of, like, you know, the Eternal Darkness episode or, you know, those types of episodes, uh, buckle in. Mm. I'll, I'll try to be as fair as possible. Yeah, and I will try and beat you down with my enthusiasm because you like to frequently savage me with your negativity so look if i'm if i'm playing a game sitting in front of my tv playing a game and i say fuck this game it, 20 times or more i feel like my feelings are valid well i'm not saying your feelings aren't valid i'm just saying after a while <laughs> if you just hate everything it starts to cast aspersions you know upon mm, yeah. upon your takes that's all well, it's not a it, it's not completely a lost cause, but we'll get into that. Sure. Before we do, however, as always, this controversial episode of Zero Brightness <laughs> is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com/zerobrightness, sign up to support the show directly, and you get extra content and quite a bit of it. Uh, mm-hmm. thank you guys so much. We just hit a milestone. Uh, yeah. which is cool. Uh, we're slowly rolling towards the milestones that really matter, uh, which is <laughs> basically when we hit certain numbers of patrons, we're going to do stupid episodes. Uh, yeah, I, we th- I threatened uh, ourselves by saying that we'll do uh, what's that game called that we hate? <laughs> we hate it so much I don't remember. Dead, Dead Space. Space. We're doing Dead Space at a hundred patrons, so we're. Uh, 70% of the way there. Here's the real question, though, is that we're one away from 69. What are we doing for that? <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have to do one of those horny horror games on PC. Yeah, one of, one of the members of our Discord, which is a great place to go and hang out and chat with us and like-minded individuals if you enjoy the show, someone in there gave us a bunch of recommendations for horny horror games, <laughs> which is definitely <laughs> not really in our wheelhouse traditionally, but maybe we'll do one. For We're this. not talking phantasmagoria here. No, no, like actual horny stuff. Um, <laughs> so that's that's kind of a bit of fun. Uh, anyway, yeah, support us on Patreon. Uh, jump in the Discord. Hang out with us. We're a game club. We tell you what we're going to play next, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. You've probably heard an episode before, so you know all this shit, right? And if you haven't, yeah. you can go listen to another episode where I do that whole thing better. So, great. This this episode's really going to bring in a bunch of new fans. <laughs> Dread out is such a, you know, it's like lightning in a bottle. True. Well, see, here's the thing about Dreadout. Uh, okay, Dreadout, 2014, developed by Digital Happiness. What's the deal with Dreadout? So this was probably one of the earlier, like, you know, we talked about a lot on the show how both of us kind of didn't play video games for many years and then got back into it. Um, mm-hmm. And I've talked specifically about how when I got back into it, I was 
really looking for like indie horror games um playing mm. a lot of them and downloading even more of them than i was playing because a lot of them were like free or super cheap you know right um and dread out was one i was really looking forward to for a few reasons i mean number one it is a very like staunch recreation of like a ps2 type survival horror game in many ways uh sure but it's also somewhat updated uh like it's got the control style and kind of visual style of maybe like an early 360 game uh it's not exactly like a ps1 or ps2 recreation in the style of games that we've played for the show uh such as paratopia or the ps1 haunted demo disc you know yeah yeah um but so it's like a throwback to like my favorite era of horror games and it's also developed by an indonesian developer um it's the first time for everything yeah uh super interesting we talk a lot about the show or we talk a lot on the show about how we're always looking for more like diversity and more perspectives in video games and so for me when i was like oh there's this game by this developer from indonesia that's super cool um, I think a, just kind of sidebar here uh, into a sidebar that will probably go on way too long and James will probably beg for me to stop. But, uh, <laughs> you know, one of my big interests in this specifically is that I really like watching East Asian horror movies from countries yeah. that aren't as well represented like in the West. Sure. Um, so we've talked a lot about J-horror on this mm-hmm. show because we've played games that specifically are inspired by or are calling back to J-horror like Fatal Frame, right? Yeah, like, totally. Fatal Frame is a Japanese game that's inspired by Japanese movies but when I talk about these movies I usually say East Asian horror instead of J-horror just because like I've watched so many movies from so many countries uh, and also like if I did a top 10, you know, at least a good chunk of them are like from South Korea or from China or other countries, yeah. you know. Taiwan's horror scene is blowing up. Yeah, totally. And so, like, the thing that I like about checking out horror movies from other East Asian countries is that they are clearly, like, inspired by the J-horror boom and the movies that kicked off the J-horror boom, most notably, like, Ringu and Zhuan. Uh, Mm. But they have their own feel, they have their own flavor, and they have their own, like, look to them. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, all, the, all, all uh, games or films, East Asian horror films, and you know, games like Dread Out specifically, they really take a lot of their own folklore and mix it in. So they always really have like their own feel to everything, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, with movies, uh, I think probably the first time I started looking at horror movies in that kind of J-horror boom era that weren't from Japan, you know, it was like the Three Extremes series, which I've talked about um, on the show. There's like a, it's like a series mm-hmm. of anthologies. There's three, three extremes, and then one other that I can't remember what it's called. Uh, but like the whole concept behind those is that each one is three shorts and they're all from different countries, uh, you know. And like, I loved seeing how different countries would tackle like the same topics. Sure. And I think it specifically relates to Dreadout. Dreadout actually kind of reminded me of uh, some of the Thai horror movies that I had seen. Um, oh, totally. 
from around that time. Like uh, there's one that jumps to mind right away uh, called The Coffin uh, mm. that I really, really enjoyed. I mean, a lot of times these movies are like, they're kind of cheesy, they're kind of hokey, they're sort of low budget. But like what I liked about The Coffin was that a lot of it, as the name implies, was really just about like burial practices and like making a horror movie that plays on like the burial practices in that culture. Uh, mm. which is super cool. Cause like I'm from a culture that has very like Arab Muslim burial practices are very strict and they're super different from like Western burial practices. Mm. And so like being ours from, is ours is business based over here in the West. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that, that's totally it. Whereas like yeah. the traditional Muslim way to bury someone is like super not like that. And mm-hmm. So I just thought like, wow, that's such a cool idea to take this thing that's like very like ingrained in a culture and make a horror movie or some sort of horror Mm. media about it, you know? Yeah, totally. So going into Dread Out, I was interested in it for that reason. And the game, I feel like doesn't disappoint in that regard. Like right Mm. away, you're shown some like really interesting imagery like involving like graveyards and like certain sort of like religious imagery that you just like wouldn't see in something Western or even like maybe something from Japan, for example. Yeah. Well, and even in terms of like environment and climate, like the Southeast Asian feel is more like there's like jungles involved and there's like heat and humidity and like, there's like a lot of like wildlife sounds, things like that, which make it very unique. Yeah, the the humid feel yeah. of, of like these types of like movies and games is so awesome. I love that. Like especially mm-hmm. in the summer, like you're trying to watch like a <laughs> summer horror movie. I feel like that sort of like humid, yeah, like Southeast Asian feels like so much cooler than like the American like summer horror feel Mm, just aesthetically i'm I'm just much more interested in one over the other um and yeah like i think this game has some really cool imagery some really cool psychedelic imagery too that's specific to like indonesian culture in the same way that uh devotion has imagery like psychedelic imagery that's specific to like the the sort of like uh buddhist practices you know yeah totally not really i mean this sort of like sham buddhism (laughs) in devotion (laughs) but you you know what i'm saying like it's specific to that culture and so yeah i i when i got this game i played the first there's like three acts i played the first act of it and i was like this is cool and i didn't finish it uh and i don't know why and now Mm. i've gone back and finished it but I I know that like you hate this game kind of and we're gonna and like there's a lot of things in this game that I will fully like cop to being like bullshit and this game is very very player unfriendly but I will Mm. say that just on like a very basic level I think that if you are the kind of person who likes going and watching like horror movies from East Asian countries that aren't Japan or China or South Korea like this game might be of interest to you and might be worth checking out just because it's like Mm -hmm. the video game version of that, which we haven't gotten as much of. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to call this game irredeemable. Like I'm, I'm glad it exists, but I don't want to play it again. (laughs) I'll give the sequel a chance because the sequel just came out 
but yeah. I don't want to play this one again. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a PC gamer, you've been PC gaming for a long time, you'll get on Steam, you'll look at a bunch of budget games, and you play them, and they all have the same feel, and it's the cookie-cutter Unity engine feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like this game is, like, deeply susceptible to that. Um, It just doesn't feel good to play. There's no, like, snappiness to it, and... Um, there's no like good player feedback, you know, like when you hit an enemy, you don't like feel it. There's no screen shake or whatever, whatever the game's like, like fatal frame. When you, when you land a good shot in fatal frame, like you feel it, you know, and the, and the enemy reels back and you know, there's good player feedback. This game doesn't have any of that. And it's not just in the combat, but it goes to like progression and item finding and solving puzzles there's no like reward feeling or you know it's kind of an intangible thing to to criticize but yeah it's it's missing that well what i'm going to say about that is a good segue into what this game is because you might be wondering listener what is dread out dread out is a ps2 game (laughs) like i mentioned earlier it's not just a throwback to or inspired by Mm. ps2 games it is a ps2 game so it's a third person action adventure survival horror game uh it's got a very thin premise where you're basically like a high school teen who's on a trip with some other teens they their car breaks down or something and they have to go explore this abandoned village. Everyone disappears. Bad shit happens. Like mm. it has the look, like I said earlier, it looks like a PS2 game, but somewhat upscaled. I wouldn't say that it's like a generic unity looking game just because it has some cool environments and colors and lighting effects. Um, it, but it's in the same way that like fatal frame does right like it looks like if you hdified fatal frame um the first challenge you on that because the the third person camera the third person controls are all very not ps2 like the over the shoulder control look wasn't even like normalized well i guess resident evil 4 did it first but like even that was not standardized with the dual stick controls like this game is very like 2010 PC game. Here's the thing is that this game, it's also not totally accurate to say that this game is like a fatal frame rip or that it's like, like I mentioned earlier, it's not like a recreation of a PS2 game. It's not like Paratopic where it's like trying to be a PS1 game. It's not like something from the haunted demo disc. It's more like the the game design, the scenario design is very, very PS2. The way the game flows is very, very PS2. But it also takes bits and pieces from a bunch of horror games, mostly PS2. Mm. But it also is pulling kind of from like the 360 generation, the seventh generation, if you will. Um, I feel like a PS2 game would direct the player more. Um, so many times in this game, you're just like dropped into the middle of an area and you're left to your own devices with no direction at all. Uh, I feel like a PlayStation game would be, I don't know, maybe the areas would be smaller, so it would be more obvious where you need to go, things like that. 
or like a, a big part of the area would be locked behind progression where in this game when you get to the school you can go anywhere in the school or you can go anywhere in the town and really just wander aimlessly for 30 minutes if you wanted to but that's the thing though is that that's basically how fatal frame 2 is and that's also how mm-hmm. kuon is which my big thing with this game is it's actually a lot like kuon but i found it less frustrating because there weren't loading screens everywhere um <laughs> and it also didn't make me play the whole game twice also this game mm-hmm. is super short this is like a three to four hour game uh depending on how much you use a guide yeah, that's that's a very short amount of time for me to say fuck this game so many times. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> the point is that it actually reminds me a lot of Fail Frame 2. It reminds me a lot of Kuon. It reminds me mm. a lot of the open world sections of, of uh, Silent Hill 2. Mm. Uh, and the big thing is that the, initially, like, the size and the scale of the environments feels really huge, like, more like an Xbox 360 game. But if you remember, there were two games on the PS2 that both had environments that were that scale and also kind of let you wander in the same way. Two games that you really don't like. Uh, one of them is Soul Reaver, which I love. And the other one is The Suffering, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, both of those games directed the character towards goals. And even though Silent Hill 2 has a lot of aimless wandering, if you want it, you still have a goal on the map, a circle to go to. Well, yeah. Two things about that. Number one is that playing this game is kind of weird because like, when we play a lot of these PS2 games for the show, it's either games that we've played before or games that are so similar to other games we've played that we know how to navigate around, we know how to use a guide and whatever. Uh, so mm-hmm. I feel like playing this game... You have to cut it some slack because it's a new game that isn't exactly like those old games. Yeah. The other thing is that this game doesn't have a map, and that's like the biggest problem with it. Like, where's the map? Hmm. Well, there's a map in the wall of the school, and you can take a picture of it with your phone. It's useless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to defend Fatal Frame 2 here because I feel like comparing the wandering around town in this game to Fatal Frame 2's wandering around town is an insult to Fatal Frame 2. Like, I f- there's nothing to do in this game when you're wandering around town. Okay, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but when you play this game, you get to the school and it turns into nighttime, you go into the school. But before you go into the school, there's like a total optional section yeah. where you can backtrack and go back into the town and find more ghosts. Yeah. You totally don't need to do this at all. But but it feels like, you know, 20% of the game is optional because if you go back into the town, you can fight a couple ghosts. But I don't know, I kind of just felt like it was a waste of time. I f- see, I feel like that's really cool. Like if you had taken like any of these PS2 games which are all too long and just cut out a chunk of it and been like, "Hey, if you like the vibe and the aesthetic of wandering around town, which I I super super did." Um, you can go do some of that. When you get tired of it, you can just go ahead. I mean, mm. no PS2 game or PS2 style game like gives you that sort of flexibility. So actually, uh, right off the jump, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I like that about this game. Imagine how many people missed that. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Well, maybe. Because, th- I mean, <laughs> another thing about this game is that it one big point of comparison between it and PS2 game is that like you need a guide. Um, you need it. You don't need a guide constantly, like something totally fucked, like Nightcry. Uh, 
but you, <laughs> it's like a PS2 game where you can wander around, you can solve some puzzles on your own, complete some challenges on your own, eventually you'll get stuck, and it's, you can wander around if you want, but I would really suggest just like opening up a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just gonna save you some time. And I had fun with the experience in that way. Like I wasn't looking at the guide constantly, um, but it was like if I had to fight a boss or I was stuck on a challenge, like I would just open up the guide. Cause this mm-hmm. game is super player unfriendly. Like it, it doesn't tell you what to do. So before we jump into like the meat of the game and how this game doesn't tell you anything, blah, blah, blah. I feel like we need to get a, a couple like fundamental things out of the way. Like, okay, it's a Fatal Frame clone, and you use a phone to take pictures of ghosts and kill them. But there's also a layer of maybe like portal, where if you look through the phone's viewfinder, sometimes you'll see things that aren't there in real life. Right. And it could be like uh, a hidden pathway, or like creepy blood splatters and stuff like that. And then also, this game plays, late later on, the game plays with uh, mirrors, too. So, like, you'll see things in mirrors that are that you can't see with your naked eye, and then you put the cam- camera up, and you can see that. Right. So, it, it does... It, it And all that happens kind of at the end of the game, and I kind of wish it would re- sh- use those elements more throughout the game. Because you kind of forget that it it's a thing until you're stuck and then you look up a guide and then you're like, Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. I mean, this game has tons of cool ideas. It has tons of cool elements to it. And like I said, I think the biggest knock against this game that like you really can't argue with is that it doesn't set things up in a way that's intuitive. Mm. So you really do end up running for the guide more than you should need to. Um, I do, I do get a feeling like they were figuring it out as they were making it, like oh, it's an totally. experience, an experienced dev team, and they're like, oh, they're coming up with cool ideas, like, and they're putting it in the game as they come up with them. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's totally true. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I think a sequel could fix. You know? Yeah. So, like, okay, the basic what you do in this game. What do you do in this game? So yeah, you're this high school student named Linda. She's out with her pals. They get separated, plunged into a world of terror. Uh, there's basically like some <laughs> it's open... It's called high school. Yeah. <laughs> there's some open world, a couple open world town sections, and then there's like three, four-ish like indoor environments you get to explore. There's really two big ones. There's like a school and a mansion. Um, and... So what you do is you walk around in act one, you use your smartphone basically as the camera obscura from fatal frame. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you pull it out, you can take pictures of ghosts uh, and you can use it to solve puzzles. Like James said earlier. So you might use it to find a hidden door or take a picture of something that gives you a clue. Uh, yeah. The thing that's cool about this. And one thing that I will really go to bat for this game on is that it is very unique to play a game like this with that type of interaction and combat that uses modern controls because none of the fatal frames really got that and i think just kind of like grafting on the sort of like over the shoulder modern third person controls like really makes that experience uh smooth because the transition between first person and third person is really easy 
Um, yeah. Well, the Fatal Frame remakes did that, but you didn't like that. There's something off about it. It's yeah. like I haven't played them, so there's just something that is not good. Uh, and I think it's because like it's kind of like the rough amateurist feel of the game that makes that possible that they just like sort of don't care what you see when you come mm. out of first person which yeah. so like sometimes like you come out and you have like a weird angle but it's never confusing i think that was the mm. problem with the fail frame 2 remake for the wii was that like they were trying to have you like come out of first person and see something like cool and cinematic or whatever and it mm-hmm. just like was very very spatially confusing Another thing this game does that Fatal Frame does do is uh, like halfway through the game, you get a second camera, yeah, which is like a DSLR. Yeah. And instead of having your phone's flashlight on all the time, which gives you like a real dim flashlight, you can you can use the flash on the DSLR pretty much like infinitely. And so you just like you light up the scene with a big flash, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. because you'll end up like running through you know the jungle in the dark and you'll keep hitting the flash to see like flashes of where you're going it's kind of a cool thing it's super cool and there's like one button that you press to switch cameras uh which is like something that fatal frame somehow never got the hang of mm, <laughs> just giving yeah. you one fucking button uh it's also worth saying too that like okay so the combat in this game it's like fatal frame where you pull up your camera whichever one you're using you can see the ghost you're trying to like track it and then you get like a glitch effect that lets you know that ghost is in range and you can hit them for damage Mm -hmm. um it's really simple and it's really fast which i like after playing a bunch of fatal frame right like but it doesn't feel good though like you don't you don't get the zero shots you don't get like the charge up kind of things um when you hit the bad guys, you don't feel it. Like their animations don't change dramatically. Sometimes it feels like, you know, it might be taking health off their HP integer or whatever, but you don't feel it ever. Yeah. I mean, there's two big problems with the combat, but I'm just saying, I like that it's fast and it's streamlined. Like when it's working well, it's really fun. And it's, it's nice to get that feeling out of a game. Like, mm. uh, it's it's very like unique um but yeah there's a couple problems one is the feedback problem and two is that it the game doesn't really tell you how to do it like it has an entire manual in the game that you can read and it feels Uh detailed until you actually look at it and then try and do combat and you're like what (laughs) because like it also doesn't tell you what button does what in the manual yeah it's all keyboard controls so if you're using a controller it doesn't tell you shit (laughs) which (laughs) sucks but i mean the big problem with this game is that like it just doesn't really give you much feedback or guidance like on how to approach new enemies or how to really like do the combat in the game so a good example of that is like one of the early ghosts you encounter is this like kind of like wailing woman and the way you're supposed to kill her is to get behind her and take a photo of her back uh, right. But like you have no, you, you don't get any sort of hint or clue. You don't even know it's a thing. So at this point, you've just been taking pictures of ghosts from the front. Uh, similarly, like there's a boss that's really easy if you just turn off your flashlight. But the game never, like for a game that's constantly throwing tips and hints and referring you to the manual, it never says like, hey, if you turn off your flashlight, some ghosts can't see you. 
and yeah. like it's yeah. just shit like that so it's like if you use a guide like some of the fights are really really fun and you see like the potential for the combat in the game mm-hmm. but it is like jank and the game also just doesn't give you enough feedback for how like ambitious some of the fight design is you know okay so there's one more mechanic that we didn't talk about which is dying Mm. Um, when you die you're transported to this other world with a, a bright light and you have to run towards the bright light and then you respawn basically exactly where you die yeah uh one sometimes running towards the light takes for fucking ever so you're just like holding the L1 button and forward and like checking your phone for like 45 seconds before you can jump back into the game. Pretty infuriating. Also, but is it more re- infuriating than getting kicked back to a start screen or a save point and losing like an hour of progress? I I say no. I thought the death mechanic was fine. It's 2020. Just let me run fast or something. Like god. Also, <laughs> the the I would forgive it for that if it wasn't for this. When you respawn, you respawn right at the same point at the same time. So if a boss was on top of you, killing you, you respawn and they're killing you again before you can even take control of your character. See, okay. Uh, I died three times in a row to one enemy because of that. We need to talk about how you had like a cursed playthrough because I didn't run into any of the issues that you were messaging me about. I had none of these issues, but I think it's worth pointing out that you had you had some curses thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness you can also find and interact with us on facebook instagram and discord all the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. we'll see you out there oh we're gonna air my grievances okay so the at, at the beginning of the school um there's a big pig monster running around it's like a pig with a human face and uh i will say the animals with human faces are creepy uh but yeah you have to um you know like snap pictures of this pig like three times and then he'll run off but he cornered me and attacked me and he killed me and i kept respawning under the fucking pig and it kept killing me like three or four times in a row until the game like felt bad for me and despawned it huh this yeah, also like, happened during a fight later with a scissor man. Scissor yeah. man makes a cameo in this game. Sure. Same thing. Like died like three times. It's so crazy. Cause like, well that boss, I did my first try. Uh, but like the last boss in the game, which is pretty tough. I kept dying, but I would respawn outside of the boss room. So I could like walk in and start the mm. fight. And even like the, when you die at a boss, it doesn't reset the boss's health. So you can die as much as you want and just keep chipping away at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought a lot of this stuff was actually convenient and I enjoyed it and it made the game like much more punchy and fun and breezy because I'm comparing it to something like Kuon. Like Kuon was a game that got on my last fucking nerve because it kept making <laughs> me wander around. It gave me no feedback. It, if you die, you go back to a save point, lose like an hour. I mean, like it was just craziness. Like that mm-hmm. game was so frustrating and comparing this to that, it's like, okay it's in the same (laughs) realm but it's it is a lot more fun to play and it has a lot more player friendly features Mm. i guess that's why i keep bringing up the ps2 comparison not to say that this is a ps2 game but like if you're comparing it to these ps2 games 
it is like a modernization of it and it is like a lot easier to play mm. oh i just had a ptsd flashback to when that pig killed me three times in a row uh-huh. i respawned the last time uh was able to find the key i wasn't able to find previously i'm going to talk about that in a minute <laughs> but uh when i respond i didn't have my phone anymore so i couldn't turn on my flashlight or take pictures until I went to the Scissor Man boss fight and died from him once. And then when I respawned, my phone was back. Dude, I don't know what to tell you, man, because I had none of these issues. I had zero issues with this game. Like, you know what I think it is? There's a uh, there's probably like Boolean logic there where um, in the in the afterlife where you have to run towards the light, you can't use your camera. For some reason, when I respawned back into the world, I think that it thought I was still in the afterlife, so I couldn't use the camera. Oh. It, like, disabled camera for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, once <laughs> again, I mean, I just keep thinking back to, like, Fail Frame 1, Kuon, that kind of shit. I was so much less frustrated by this game, even with the parts that killed me a couple times, than I was, like, with those games. That's and that's, that's, like, my big recommendation for this game is, like, Here's another thing. Like when we talk about some of these PS2 games, like we're putting in quite a bit of work to get these games playable and to like so we can review them. We're sort of recommending them to like an imagined audience that is also willing to do that shit or willing to pay a bunch of money to like <laughs> cop these games, but like we know that a lot of people aren't. So it's almost like Dreadout is like the PS2 game, the rare kind of jank PS2 horror game that everybody can play because it's on Steam frequently for like a dollar. <laughs> I guess oh. that, and so I'm comparing it to those games. I really feel like the big difference in feel from this in a PS2 game comes from the progression of the game, I feel like. We still have item-based progression here, but it's... It's so different. Okay, just to give an example, you know, the school. When you first get to the school, the entire school is open. There's two wings, first floor and second floor. You can basically explore everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a while to go through the entire school to look at everything. Um, the trick to getting to the next part is you have to take a picture uh, of like this image of these like girls hanging themselves and when you take the picture it gives you a different picture a la fatal frame and it shows where a hidden key is and once you get that key that's like three quarters of the puzzles for that area you get the key and you can go into the scissor man fight and you get scissors and then you can get the master key from the pig and you can exit the school so, like, the school is a huge area, and it's, like, almost half the game. Like, there's a lot of school in yeah, this game. Yeah, yeah. But the, it, it's, the progression through the school is only uh, hindered by getting two items, which is really interesting. Because you think of something like Silent Hill, where you go through the school stage, and there's, like, so much involved. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just strange that, like, there's a lot of empty wandering and just looking around for something until you know you get the one item and man it was a nightmare for me to find that one key it took forever well here's the thing it wasn't as bad for me i guess number one number two i'm gonna say like 
Remember back to the first time you played Silent Hill or Silent Hill 2. How much pointless, empty wandering did you do? Like, mm. quite a bit. I think what's going to sell people on the game or, or not sell you on the game, you know, is not that aspect of it. It's do you like the vibe and the aesthetic? Um, do you like wandering around? Because, like, a lot of people self-included enjoy wandering around silent hill it's just got a good vibe Um, in this game i think another couple things that it does really really well that are either going to sell you on the game or does not do much for you number one are the ghosts i think the ghost design in this game is super cool i really liked pretty much all the ghosts in the game uh they have like the obvious sort of like tropey j-horror ghosts but they always look a little bit different um some of them are like legitimately really fucking creepy. Uh, yeah. There's a good variety. Like they do feel very distinct. I think that's one problem with some of the longer Fatal Frame games like Fatal Frame 2 and 3 that some of the ghosts kind of feel samey, you know? Um, but in this game, everything feels really distinct. Uh, and some of them are really fucking creepy. A big part of that is the other thing that I really like in this game, which is the sound design. Like, the sound design is so good in this game like just creepy fucking noises crying laughing weird animal noises uh it's all mixed well and like positioned well so you can just be wandering around and like hear like a lady like shrieking in the distance or something and it's like it's fucking creepy yeah sometimes the loops loop too fast so you hear the same thing over and over but yeah generally like the sound is really good did did you play it in english or indonesian uh i played it in english because i thought it was referring to the game's language mm, yeah i i played it in english for like a minute and then switched it to indonesian yeah the english voice acting is is mediocre like it's cheesy but mm. there are a couple parts where it's like really good um, I think ditto for the animation in this game. Like overall, the visuals and like the animations game are like once again like pretty jank and like pretty like low budget. But there's like a couple scenes. Like there's one where you're sitting down and talking to a character one on one, and she's like mm-hmm. possessed. And I thought the animation and voice acting in that part were both like really really good. Um, that was an interesting part of the game too, because it only happens once. You know, kind of unexpected. Yeah, like chapter two also gets into a lot of weird unexpected stuff like this game is very cinematic and it has a lot of set pieces in the second act that once again you can debate how well it's done or like oh is it too janky Mm -hmm. or low budget or whatever but personally i think looking at it like a ps2 style game it's i was impressed by it you know Cause it's like you, you wouldn't see that in any of those games. And even the closest thing you could compare it to is something like the suffering, which sort of tried Ugh. to do. Can we not? <laughs> well, <laughs> the suffering is worth bringing up because it tried to do this sort of thing uh, yeah. with like having a lot of set pieces, very being very cinematic, but I don't think it did it well. So just moving on from the school, uh, you get your phone taken from you by all these little gremlins, which are actually kind of cute. Yeah, I like the gremlins. <laughs> but w- while you don't have your phone, uh, there's this chase sequence that, again, I died over and over on because I didn't see the door you were supposed to run through and uh, interact with. Sure. Which 
it made me want to die. So, like, after 20 deaths, I get through this door, and, uh, there's a scripted scene here where you're, like, hiding under the floorboards of a house. Yeah. And the guy that was chasing you is, like, it almost feels like a quick time event or something like that, but it's not. But it's very tightly directed, and it's so weird because it's the only time this game pulls that idea. Yeah. Well, and like all you could do is press forward essentially, and it's there's there's not a lot of interactivity. It really feels like one of those QTE like uncharted moments or something. But it's just so strange that it's like insular. Like they only did it one time at this one part. Well, and that's what's cool I think about the second act. Like I really like that part you're describing. It is very like it's cinematic and it's unexpected. There's a couple other parts of the game like that where it takes away control from you, but it still sort of has the perspective as if you're still playing the game. Um, mm-hmm. There's a scene I mentioned earlier where you basically sit down and talk to like a possessed character, and it's just like a first-person conversation. It's very creepy. The end of the game also does that. I mean, there's little like ideas and deviations like from the norm of what you'd expect, and little things that pop up like that. That once again, I think are really cool. Like. When you go back and play some of these PS2 survival horror games, it does get a little bit like stale at points because you're just doing the same shit over and over and over. You're just looking for items, unlocking boxes and doors and blah, blah, blah. Like, mm. I liked how this game actually tried to spice it up. Well, speaking of spicy, uh, there's another scene right after that where it, it almost feels like, like a fantasy world. Yes. She comes into this clearing... And there's, like, all these, like, beautiful women playing, like, exotic instruments, playing music. And it looks all, like, fantasy-like. And then you look up, and there's, like, a big fairy in the sky. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Dude, okay, so there's this repet- there's this repeating motif in the game of, like, these sorts of... This sort of, like, like religious otherworld... Um, it's like seems like to have like a vaguely buddhist feel to it but these parts of the game are so crazy so like uh really early in the game you go to this place and it's basically this huge like flooded graveyard um except it's it's like a stone graveyard um and it's all like flooded and broken up and fucked up and then you go to the Mm -hmm. end and there's these like candles you have to light and there's this huge hovering like god in the sky and then yeah later you return to a similar world except it's like this sort of peaceful beautiful version of it that quickly gets like perverted and looks all fucked up but right before you go there you actually fight this boss that starts looking like an angel and then turns into this like horrible demon thing that throws like dead bodies in burial shrouds at you Mm -hmm. like yeah what it it did this uh particle effect where it throws a bunch of maggots yeah every time that would happen my frame rate would go into the single digits (laughs) oh really i didn't have (laughs) that problem yeah Um, no one on youtube did either weird this game is truly cursed on my computer yeah you had like a seriously cursed playthrough but like (laughs) actually dude you'll probably only ever hear me say this maybe like once more in this show but i really like that boss fight (laughs) i thought it was cool i thought yeah it looks cool yeah it's like king body bag and he like spawns like all these little body bags yeah like it's 
it's super cool. The aesthetics are cool. And then like the next part being this big, like fantasy, you know, break with reality thing is super cool. Um, I think once again, it's, it's really interesting, uh, to like, remember that it's like an Indonesian developed game because I think it plays into the aesthetics of that part. And also like the aesthetics of when you're in the mansion later, um, Indonesia is like a really interesting place, especially for like where it is in the world. Uh, it like it has a very very like ethnically diverse population um it has a lot of like different like cultural influences that go into like its own like uh inherent culture it's also mm. uh like a majority muslim country yeah. uh yeah which like a lot of people don't know and it's like the east asian country that's majority muslim which is really interesting um so it's got like a really unique you know culture and like mix of culture and aesthetics that like go into uh you know the country and the culture of Indonesia. And I thought it was cool to see like a developer kind of like play with that. Cause you know, like even though, so like there is like a part of their culture that is like Buddhist. And I feel like these parts of the games reference that or play on that. Mm. It's also in a way that's like very unique and like, doesn't feel like, you know, someone from another culture would represent like Buddhism, for example. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I don't really know anything about Indonesia. So just even getting this little peek into Indonesian culture, like playing this game is pretty cool. Yeah. I would say that's, you know, that's really the strongest thing about this game. The strongest takeaway for me personally. Yeah. But it's also like playing this game and, and playing devotion, uh, really made me realize, and you know, some of the stuff on the haunted PS one demo disc, it made me realize that games that can really, uh, execute that flip between something that's vaguely realistic and then something that's like pure crazy colorful fantasy in the horror Mm. genre is really rare and i super love it whenever a game can execute that well you know so those are probably like my favorite parts of the games and parts of the game and one of the biggest reasons that i keep like saying ultimately i would recommend it like ultimately i do really like this game well so the, the the game ends in this giant mansion which is pretty cool, but this is also where I got a dead game and my cursed game finally died forever. But, you know, right at the mansion, the game starts coming up with these cool new ideas. Yeah. Um, so I got to this place where there's like a long hallway with mirrors. And when you look in the mirror, you can see like this like ghost trying to kill you. I fucked up and missed a mirror and got down the hallway so far that like the ghost did too much damage and killed me shit but every time i respawned i was too far away from the mirror to get back to it and kill the ghost and i couldn't go the other way either because i just tried to like i was like oh fuck it maybe if i just keep going the ghost will leave me alone but no so i I couldn't go either way long enough to not die so i just got caught in a continuous continual death loop and that's how my gameplay ended (laughs) but i did watch a youtube video and there's a couple cool looking fights towards the end and a really cool looking like mirror puzzle that looked interesting to me. Yeah. So like the mansion is really cool. It looks like almost more like a big event center or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, at least like it for me, like having been to Lebanon, like I've seen places that look like that. And I was like, mm. oh yeah, like I know what this is. Like I did check out that band's back line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are they rocking here? SVT? Yeah, it looks like there's a couple old fenders with like the oversized 212s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a pro reverb with an acoustic guitar on top of it for some reason. 
Hey, everybody, this has been your guitar store talk of the episode. Thanks for listening. Don't um, talk. Don't. Don't spelled wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, uh, when you enter, the mansion is really short. It's mostly, like, two boss fights and then just, like, a little end cutscene. Um, mm. th- these boss fights, I think, are against the same enemy, but they're both really different. Uh, the first one, it basically just starts trashing stuff in this big, like, event area that looks like it's set up for a wedding and uh yeah it's like a poltergeist like it seems like you can't see it at all but it's like throwing shit around you it seems like a really cool idea and that's something that fatal frame never did it is a cool idea and so the way that you catch it is that you pull out your camera when it starts throwing shit and you zoom and you try and get the like notification that you can take a picture and then you can take a picture and damage it. It works really well and it moves slow enough that you can actually do it and it's not super hard. Um, mm. The fight after that is really hard, but it's also really interesting. It's in a room where one wall, whole wall is a mirror. Like it looks like a, like a little dance studio or something like a dance studio. Yeah. And so what you're doing is tracking where the bad guy is in the room with the mirror and then turning around and catching it in your camera and taking a photo. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really hard. I died two or three times, but it's cool. It's a cool idea. And it's also really cool because as you damage the enemy, the reflection of the room gets like bloody and gross and all like silent Hill esque. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so like, that starts happening and it's kind of a cool callback to that scene in silent hill three where like there's your reflection that starts degrading Mm -hmm. um it's like that except it's a boss fight it's super fucking cool shame 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 i think it's played yeah (laughs) uh no i mean like this game is just full of cool ideas and full of cool stuff i think the big thing for me as someone who, who really liked it and really enjoyed the game is that I think you have to be ready for the level of frustration of like a C tier PS2 game. And you also have to be ready to like use a guide to understand what's going on because you sort of have to like meet the game halfway and understand Mm -hmm. what it's doing to like appreciate it, uh, which is not good design. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, I was following a guide and I still couldn't find that small key. I had to watch a YouTube video of a guy doing it. And then he still couldn't find it for a while. So I had to like fast forward for like 10 minutes until he finally found the key. Yeah, I think some of it is really just like uh, if you click with the game and you start to see what it's trying to do. Because yeah. like, okay, so like that puzzle you're talking about, even knowing where to use it is like kind of weird. But yep. it's just because like there's a very out of place locked cabinet in a room that has unique music. And so when I walked in, I was like, this is totally where I have to return to whenever I solve this puzzle, like right away. Right. Mm, But there's other rooms that you can go and try the door and it says this room is locked. And if you don't look closely, you'd be like, oh, maybe this is where I have to come back once I have a key. However, you can also go around to the window and look in and it's just like an empty room that they locked because they didn't want to put any assets in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So or there's like some doors that you just can't even try the handle on right like yeah it's yeah. so weird yeah you can definitely tell that the school was like an earlier part of the game they designed and something like the mansion was a much later part uh i think the town is also like well built and really fun to run around in i wish there was something to do in it though you know because there are a lot of doors yeah. you can open and rooms you can explore but there's really nothing i mean you can find some like metals i think which unlock chivos but they don't do anything for you. 
Yeah. You're, you're not finding ammo. You're not finding health. Um, all that's stripped out of the game. Um, there's really no reward for exploration except for, like, memos and, like, Pantera flyers and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse you. It's Pantura. <laughs> who are advertised as a grindcore band. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's another big sort of, like, big picture thing about this game that you're either going to love or hate is that it really does strip away a lot from the genre. Uh, Personally, I kind of get, like, anxiety when I'm trying to find all the ammo and health items that I know I'm going to need later because I, like, suck. Mm. Uh, So it was kind of nice to play the game and not worry about that. I found this game weirdly relaxing at points because, unlike a normal horror game, I wasn't trying to loot everything and find (laughs) every healing item. Like, And once again, it's the same with the combat where like the simplicity of it was like very, very appealing to me as opposed to like jumping back into a Fatal Frame game, which I love Fatal Frame and Fatal Frame games are better than Dreadout. Like I'm not going to start arguing that. But once again, there's something very appealing about like, oh, I don't have to learn anything. And like, it's literally just like I get a zoom halfway through the game, like sick. (laughs) Like there's something very appealing about the simplicity to this game because of the genre that it approaches. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, my experience is different because I did not derive joy from playing this game. Yeah. Like, very little. Like, maybe, <laughs> the, maybe the first 10 minutes of the school. But after that, I was, like, doing my duty to finish the game for the episode of Zero Brightness. Sure. I did not have fun or... It, it wasn't relaxing it wasn't interesting you know the, the monsters were cool like the the ghost lady holding the dead baby was creepy right yeah, super cool but then but, but then like you have to fight like the irritating like brains flying around which is yeah. fucking stupid not cool at all those sucked. um yeah yeah those sucked and like the little gremlin guys weren't cool to me but then like the scissor man was like creepy as fuck yeah you know there's yeah i mean uh I did not have fun playing it, so yeah. Like, we can we can talk about all the cool stuff because there is cool stuff here, but then like when the rubber hits the road and you actually play the game, I did not have fun. Yeah, well, and I think another thing to keep in mind with this game too is, like I said, it can be frustrating. So I think there's a certain play style that this game benefits from, which is really. The way that I like to play games, which is, I think, one reason why I liked it so much, just sit down and play it for like a half an hour. And then mm-hmm. when you're lost or you just like don't really want to play anymore, you stop playing. <laughs> uh, this game does tell you, like, hey, you've been playing for a while. Maybe you should take a break. It also tells you that winners don't do drugs. Yeah. And it also <laughs> thanks you for buying a quote-unquote legit copy of Dreadout. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like, I I think that this game is best in little chunks, and when you're sort of tired of it, or you don't really want to play more, you just stop playing. Even like I Mm. said, the first time I played this game, I just played the first chapter, completed it, and then was like, I should come back. Um, I think, like, the story in this game is so thin, and it's mostly just an excuse to get you to the next area that mm. it is a game even that you could play over a long period of time just playing each chapter as like a little adventure that you play for a half an hour at a time um but i think that's the same with a lot of the games that i would compare it to you know like it's also a shame that it gets the most interesting right at the end 
Well, yeah, and they have well, they made an expansion that's supposed to be better than the first really? game. Yeah. Uh it is called Dread Out. Let's see. Hold on, I'll, I'll find it. Uh crap. Here it is. Dread Out Keepers of the Dark. Mm. Came out a couple years later. It's like another chapter. So it's like chapter three basically or chapter four okay. of the game it's supposed to be a lot better and then there's dread out 2 which has very mixed reviews um, really well it just came out and it seemed like there was a lot of hype around it mm. so i was curious I, I'm, I'm really curious to see if it fixed the things that i had the biggest problems with in this game yeah um a lot of the general jank and then the puzzle based uh progression I think is a huge problem in this game uh, yeah. because there's so little of it. So I'd be interested to see how, well, in, in the, in the feedback, the combat feedback, you know, give us some zero shots. I'm, I'm curious to see how dread out two does that. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, they kept it going. They did some more shit, you know, jury's out on if it's like better, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I like, <laughs> I like dread out. I think, like I said, if you play it a certain way and you like certain things about it, it is very enjoyable. I mean, I think it's not, you know, it's not like the greatest game ever made. Uh, it is the only game that sent me an Eid Mubarak message over steam. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Uh, mm. yeah, they, they, uh, they wished me happiness on one of the two major Muslim holidays of the year, which was nice. Wow. Mm. Um, so many blessings yeah yes alf mabruk to everybody Eid mubarak i <laughs> uh, hope you're all doing well um to all of our listeners who celebrate and digital happiness would also like to wish that to you as well uh oh, yeah but i don't know like I, I i think though it does take some understanding like you have to meet it halfway you have to understand the shortcomings of it and i'm not gonna argue that that's good like i'm not gonna yeah. sit here and be like that's awesome and that's a plus it's a minus and the game mm. like like I literally before every boss fight would like pause it and look at a guide because I was like, <laughs> I know what's about to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like maybe I'd play like a minute of it and be like, okay, I'm getting my ass kicked. Let me just look at a guide. And the guide would say what you had to do. And I do it and be like, this is awesome. Like once I've gotten some sort of hint or clue as to what I'm supposed to do, it's awesome. But like, that's a, that's a huge weakness to the design. Like I'm not going to sit here and argue yeah. that that's good. I found that on the bosses, a lot of the strategy was like walk backwards and hit the shutter as fast as you can. <laughs> sure. Because once you get the DSLR, you can like rapid fire. So yeah. it's like a legit strategy to just like shoot like a maniac. Yeah. And walk backwards. And that shit totally works. Even that was like fun. Like once again, like the, I think that if you're a big fan of the Fail Frame series and you've played like the PS2 games over and over and over, like I have, there was just some novelty to it. To like, oh, I have a fucking DSLR. Like it's totally <laughs> straight out of like 2010 standard issue DSLR with the same like you know reticule display and everything, and you can click it mm. really fast and you can like yeah. flash it. Like that was fun. Or just like using a phone instead of the, this like crazy. Steel steampunk camera like (laughs) just those basic things were actually like appealing to me and were very satisfying to me as like a big fan of fatal frame your mileage movie i mean it costs like a dollar or two so i mean mean, i'm gonna say like your mileage will vary oh absolutely 
especially for you, like the nightmare playthrough you had, like sounds or like from a just from a technical level sounds really bad. It was not chill. I had a real busy week too, and to have like a such a not chill experience with a game. Yeah. Yeah. It really rustled my jimmies. Yeah, that makes me sad for you. <laughs> like I, I wish you could have had the chill zone. Yeah, I mean, experience. I, I, I yelled at the TV at least forty thousand times. We'll yeah, play this game. <laughs> totally. I was like, dread out or like dreadful. <laughs> I guess too. Like I have watched. I think it was like a couple years ago. A bunch of Indonesian movies popped up on uh, Netflix. Indonesian horror mm. movies, yeah. and like. There was one that I watched. I wish I could remember what it's called. Uh, I'm going to try and see if I can find it as I'm talking about it. Uh, but, like, it was so funny because we started watching it. Monica and I started watching it. And, like, we were like, man, this is, like, so stupid. Like, what the fuck is this? Uh, or, like, this is, like, really cheesy. And, like, we were kind of, like, down on this movie. But then we just, like, kept watching it and then like <laughs> as we were watching we were like wait this like kind of rocks and like that was kind of like the conclusion by the end of the movie was like that was like pretty dumb and pretty hokey and very low budget but like it was so weird and crazy at times that it was like mm. kind of awesome and it had some really great imagery and some really cool stuff I think it was this movie Sabrina maybe mm. um you have but, to kind of give up your rules and go by its rules. Yes, exactly. I feel a, very similarly about this game where it's like, it's not this like really polished, well-made big budget thing. It's not perfect. It's not the sort of thing that you could show to anybody and be like, you can appreciate this. You know what I mean? Mm. It's its own weird kind of thing. And if you get into its vibe, you're just like, God damn this is fucking good dude yeah well i'm i'm not gonna write off the sequel um this one really felt like a proof of concept to me so we'll see how dread out 2 does but uh fun factor game pro one and a half stars <laughs> that's it for me <laughs> god damn I, I appreciate what it does but also i don't want to play it yeah i liked it a lot but I I get that you had you had a hard time. I am gonna play the sequel first and let you know if it's. I see. Unlike you, I care about your feelings, and so I'm gonna go easy on you because, like, I just you know the way that you talk about me having to play all these clock tower games in the future, it just like makes me so sad preemptively. You know, I would rather play clock tower than this. You're a madman. I enjoy. The occasional kusoge, you know, kusoge is Japanese for shit game, and it's kind of like a subgenre that's uh, like loved, right? I yeah. like the occasional shitty game. It's fun to make fun of them, you know. Yeah, that definitely wasn't my experience with this game, but mm -hmm. I, I get what you're saying, you know. Yeah, don't love it, but I, you know, it's got potential. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually playing the sequel, even though I hated it so much. <laughs> nice. 